A city of justice A city of love A city of peace For every one of us We all need it Can't live without it A Gotham City are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast, spotlighting Fox's series Gotham, powered by the BatmanUniverse.net, where you can listen to other great Batman-related podcasts like Batgirl the Oracle, Taking Flight, and the Batman Universe comic cast, among many others. I'm glad I'm that for, for once in my life you, you put me first. You know, I did that in the description too. And and, and I'm Josh, and this is Stella, who <laughs> wants to be first. Yeah, this is me. And we also have with us, not first, but... Oh, okay. This is Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to say my name. No, you have to say your own name. <laughs> well, I'm so. afraid that this is Donovan. And we are going to be looking at the episode Viper. Um, there is a new drug on the streets, which gives everyone momentary strength before they lose all their calcium, their bones crush, and they die. It might have something to do with the pharmaceutical subsidiary of Wayne Enterprises. So Bruce, you know, puts on his big boy pants and does some investigating and wants to talk to the board. In the meantime, Fish Mooney continues training her little weapon to strike against Carmine Falcone. And speaking of striking, Penguin thinks that it's time to help uh, Sal Maroney strike against Falcone as well. But he overplays his hand and gets himself in a bit of trouble. Selena Kyle shows up for two seconds, and that's pretty much this week's episode of Gotham. So first of all, like, what were your general thoughts of the episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, I, again, enjoyed this episode. I think I enjoyed it. Like, last, last week, I enjoyed it on sort of an ironic level. Uh, this one, I really, I think this is my favorite episode of the season so far that I've seen. I don't know, because I think that, like, uh, and I might talk about this later on, I, while I do wish there was a bit more... I wish the development in the overall show's storyline was a bit faster. I liked what I was really entertained by what they were doing. I liked pretty much everybody's storyline, and um, I'm kind of settling in on liking the characters more now that they've they've been firmly established to you know who they are and what they're doing. And I, and I was kind of enjoying like more scenes than I typically do during the series. Like I mean, up to this point, I've been kind of like you know okay, well this is this person's plot line, this is this person's character, and I like this and I I, I like this less. But this time around. I think for whatever reason, I think the writing was really good, and um, I, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed everything. And I think that like this episode, Viper, uh, surprisingly to me, was um, has up so far is my favorite of the season. Better than the pilot. Um, I mean, the pilot was a few months ago, and I've, I'm not seen it since. Uh, <laughs> no, th- not for the rest of the world. <laughs> but I think that like uh, we, we saw it at Comic Con. Spoilers, whoa! Yeah, like, uh, a few months ago for us. <laughs> I think that like this 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 episode to me matched the intensity or, or the in, the interest of the pilot. Um, the pilot was very good, but this one to, uh, this is the most fun I've had since the pilot. I, I can mm-hmm. I can say for sure. Um, this I'm uh, I don't. <laughs> I was slightly bored by this one, to All be right. honest. <laughs> um, fight, fight, fight. And, and I don't know if it's – I don't know if – for me, sometimes it's very much like state of mind and, you know, how am I, like, emotionally and personally doing at that moment in my tire, that sort of thing. But, you know, I was, you know, paying attention to everything, but just not really catch, capturing me um, as much as I felt like it could. Uh, and I think that main plot really needs to be – 
big and and I think it it had potential and I love the fact that Viper was the beginning and and then they made it better into Venom so I liked that little nod to uh, what could become Bane and you you get that a little bit and I like that you know there's almost like superhuman elements to it but I don't know it just didn't capture me as much and again the the plot line that I continue to gravitate towards is Penguin and seeing him do that and and you know try his best to get in there and then get all banged up and then oh my gosh Jim Gordon's being called in and and now more people know the secret than probably should and 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 uh, he was being, really calm about that. Yeah, and being in suspense about, oh my gosh, is this casino thing going to work out? Just like watching the rise of Penguin is what I, I really enjoy. The the Fish Mooney stuff, while I think that it's, <laughs> you know, incredibly ingenious to to, and and completely proper to try to insinuate someone of your own making into Carmine. The whole thing was just very odd I, I don't even know if odd would be the word i mean the the opera thing which you know there is a point to all that but just this weird i mean she was training her and so i guess maybe i'm so used to and almost brainwashed as to what i believe training should be that to have someone being trained by listening over and over to an aria and then just walking into the park and and Falcone just happens to be dazzled by her was was a little too far fetched for me and I felt like it was too easy. It was too I, I felt like there needed to be something I, I'm sure we'll talk about this, so I don't want to go into it. But I just felt like it needed to be a longer storyline, not her after one episode actually make contact with Falcone. Um and you know, Jim and Jim and Bullock continue to be a great partnership. That's another thing to watch. But yeah, it, it just—I don't know. Maybe I have super high expectations, but just just wasn't up to snuff for me. That some of the plot lines were better than others. I liked this episode better than Arkham from last week, and uh, this one I did see at the gym on the treadmill again. So I'm back to my normal routine. So now that we're a few episodes into this, like some of the cracks are beginning the show. And for me, like the biggest cracks are we have so many characters and, you know, each of those characters has their own story. And I don't think that they're being proportioned the way that they should. And Don kind of touched on this last week. But for example, you know, we met um, Crispus Allen and Renee Montoya in the pilots. And we know that, like, you know, they're the good cops and they're trying to get things done. And we don't see them this week. We didn't see them last week. And, you know, aside from occasionally, you know, saying, hey, Jim, we know you're up to something. And Renee trying to seduce his fiance. Like, they've done nothing. And to me, you know, that's an interesting thing. Selena and Kyle, you could have deleted that whole scene and it would not have affected the episode. It was just like maybe less than 45 seconds. And I get that she's a series regular and we need to like – I mentioned uh, last week that it was our first non-Selena Kyle week, but – it just like had nothing to do with the rest of the plot. She was just there, like for the purpose of being there. So that that kind of stuff is kind of frustrating me. Uh, my other issues, you know, but overall, I did like the episode better than um. What did we have last week? It was not Balloon Man. We had it Arthur was last uh, week. the guy it with was the killer Arthur. flute. The guy with the yeah, <laughs> it was the Pied Piper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's my overall thoughts on Gotham. So going. Storyline by storyline now, or character by character. 
the Viper storyline to me, it brought Bruce more into focus. And one thing that I mentioned uh, in the second episode was uh, the Selena Kyle episode was that like this, that episode uh, and that villainous plot line showed us, you know, more about how the police department and the mayor system worked. And while I don't really like the whole villain of the week thing, I like how in this show, kind of the villain of the week things have been, you know, served as a means to an end to show us the inner workings of the system. And this Viper storyline, while it did, you know, feel somewhat like a villain of the week thing, it was able to, you know, bring the Wayne Enterprises aspect in the focus. We can see more of how that was run. And we actually see Bruce do something more than, um, you know, burn himself or, you know, listen to heavy metal music or give closed give close to Orthans. Like he's starting to become Bruce Wayne. And that moment at the end where Alfred sits down with him and says, All right, I guess I'm gonna be your enabler. And Bruce has like the biggest smile that he's probably <laughs> had since the pilot. Can we go out for ice cream? I think Bruce. I think. I think. Uh, I know what you mean when you say like you know he's starting to become Bruce Wayne, but I think he's always been kind of that way since the first episode. In that, like you know, the natural progression of his psyche has been like you know kind of like on the on the railroads towards where he's going to become each episode. But, I, but you see more development with it, like you know, him trying to trying to connect anything in the world to his parents' death, and he's not far off. Um, mm-hmm. I still, I still, I'm still really liking it. Well, and even if it didn't have anything to do with his parents' death, he just doesn't like, you know, the fact that there's, you know, criminal deals, like, going on in his company. So whether that has to do with his parents' death or not, I think it's giving him something to focus on and something to take care of. And something to it's, look for. it's an injustice that he doesn't like, and, you know, he wants to solve it. I liked in this episode how he was a bit more... Uh, like like traditional adult Bruce Wayne, like I mean, we've seen before how he doesn't eat when he's supposed to, and um, Alfred's like, oh, do you want to go for a walk around the place? And he's like, uh, oh yeah, sure. Later, he's not even looking at him. And then later on, he's like, you know, Alfred, don't don't burn that stuff. I, does he threaten to fire him at one point or something like that? Like he he orders him not to do things. And Alfred's like, what if I just threw this lot in the fire? No, don't. Yeah, you I, promised. I mean, I I don't like uh, I've I've, I've, I've Belabor on the comic cast my personal views on how Bruce Wayne should prefer- preferentially I like him being written in a certain way so I don't like when he's written like like a robot but I do like seeing the younger Bruce Wayne adopt more of his traditional personality quirks I don't, I don't know what it is like, this um, this show really does well and uh, as I feel that I still feel that that character could be really easy to screw up and I think so far they've done it perfectly um, whether it's just the writing or the acting. Uh, I think both are very good, and I like how just he's focused in a way because he, he doesn't feel like he's not a kid. He doesn't feel like you know he, they're riding a grown man in a young kid's body, but it still feels like the same character. I, it's probably because he's a bit older. Um, well, I like it when he go to that when he went to that like one you know representative or whatever, and she's like, "Oh yes, like little Bruce Wayne," and he's like right down the business, like I want to get some FaceTime with the board. And, like, you could tell that, like, she was not prepared for this. <laughs> and she turned to be evil. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I thought that was, that was really cool. And I also, I really did like seeing, uh, that last scene where Alfred just sits down. He's like, all right. They don't even say it one word. He's like, all right. Because he doesn't like, uh, Wayne Enterprises being dirty either. Or anything yeah. to do with that. So, like, he, he, he's totally, like, without even saying to Bruce, you know, I believe in you or whatever, he just goes to work. And it's very it's very familiar setting and a very believable point at this point in the relationship. So I thought that was they, – they, they they've just done everything right by these two characters to me. 
Yeah, that smile on his face when Alfred sits down is one of the best moments of the episode, and one of Bruce Wayne's moments so far. It's precious. (laughs) I don't know if anyone could like say Bruce Wayne and precious in the same sentence. Usually, (laughs) I can get away with doing it. Yeah, but for this show, we'll let it slide. Stella, like, what do you think about Bruce and how he related to the Viper plotline this episode? I I like how uh, and and I feel like I've said this every episode, so uh, <laughs> I don't really like to say it all the time. But I think little by little we're getting a sense of who Bruce will become, and obviously it's it's got to be a slow burn. We can't just grow him up very quickly like a sea monkey. Drop it in water, and there you go. Voila! So <laughs> it was great because I feel like there was a tie already to the detective in the previous episode. And so now we're really getting into it. And it, it's a little scary almost because he's getting to be like Dustin, uh, almost conspiracy theorist. Ooh. Yes. Because I Wait, always, Dustin's a conspiracy theorist? I think so. I think I always, and I'm very open about this belief, that Dustin actually has a board of like the New 52 timelines. And there are like yarn marks, you know, just different um threads connecting it's just like this board that i think that's taking over his his basement um and i am not ashamed to admit that i believe this <laughs> and and I, I i i'm just getting the sense of like hey we're gonna start also getting into this almost and at least it's not picking through something that does not exist and he's he's grasping at straws but there is something there now I'm worried about him getting too deep into it and just becoming obsessed. And and I think that was probably what Alfred was also concerned about. And, and, and I love that he's there and he realizes that obviously there's something bad that happened, but he is still a 12-year-old boy and he, he wants him to have some semblance of normalcy. And, you know, I, I think all of that is, is symbolized right there in – and you know why don't you go outside for a walk like something very simple like that but but he he cares not to do that and and it's funny that you know he just finally decides um i I think in a way he gives up on it but also in a way i think he realizes that there is a shred of truth there and part of that probably was at the actual bar the party um because he witnessed what had happened and, and the crazy man and everything. And, and of course he was, he was totally vindicated since we found out that lady was not a good egg, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how deep it all goes within the Wayne enterprises and, um, whether the Waynes actually knew about it, which I'm sure they did. And that is, it all goes, uh, it's a conspiracy. The murder was a conspiracy. I think it's very clear now. It wasn't just happenstance. I kind of want to piggyback off what you said about he sees something that's actually there. And it's, it's, it's another thing that I, I can praise this for because I think that like, it would be easy to have Bruce, like his whatever mental problems Bruce Wayne as a character may or may not have. I like the fact that they're they're not portraying him as like, you know, trying to find things that really aren't there like you know oh there's because there's conspiracy against i don't know the uh uh, the christmas marketing in gotham or something like that like i guess suppose they have to have him be involved in the main plot somehow but um i don't know it's just another thing i do appreciate because i feel that like other other interpretations might might just have him be really kind of like just weird (laughs) what if uh bruce wayne in this universe actually turns out to be joker I want to hear you. That would be the old. That would be like the ending to How I Met Your Mother. Like the fans would revolt. They would revolt. He just starts to go insane little by little, and you find out that he's actually Joker. 
Oh, and and then Barbara Keene becomes a uh, Batman, just like that one blog predicted. Hey, that works out. Batwoman. E- either way, you know, like <laughs> this series takes like a very, very like dark, dramatic turn. Yeah, they just got you know really, really wasted in the writers' room. Um, the drug Viper itself, like seen in the action, it reminded me too much of like you know the early seasons of Smallville, and I don't think that like that type of like superpowers like works on the show but then when they brought in like that that it was like a precursor to venom i was like oh okay that 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 makes a little more sense it was still a, a bit much for me like these people like holding up atms and then all of a sudden like losing their bones <laughs> um yeah well let's be honest everything that we see now is is going to have have a bit of smallville in it and i think it's not necessarily because of copying but because of the fact that smallville came first um so i, I don't know if you want to keep making the allusions to smallville um because it's probably they're, gonna they're, get they're to inevitable be a, yeah it's probably gonna get to be a, a drinking game but uh i just I, I think we should be clear that we don't think that gotham is just uh, copying what has been done, but it's just the fact no. that it, it's <laughs> next gonna... week on Gotham, Barbara Keene opens a coffee. A coffee. Well, I mean, no, I, I think that like, I mean, it's not copying it, but I do. I am reminded of it, and I'm not. I'm not reminded abrasively, but I like. There was definitely in the first season of Smallville a sense of like you know, random things that happened that were very like weird and uh, comic booky, and I think that like Gotham is doing that now. I imagine they'll probably get away from this after a while when they settle into their own plot, but right now. It does seem to be they're, they're, the comic bookie plots are very, very uh, out there, and there's a lot more CGI than I was expecting in this show. <laughs> yeah, there were there was some CGI with those, you know, bone rupturing moments. I like the fact that the, that, that the precursor to Venom, and I'm, I'm kind of on the fence of it being Venom so soon, but like I like the fact that it was so in the early stages that it really kind of didn't work. They didn't really have any super strength for prolonged periods of time. It was like th- 30 seconds and they're dead. There wasn't any sort of like Bane-ish characters already out there, because I would not have liked that at all. Yeah, at this point, it's a death sentence to, like, ingest it. And that was the thing in the comments, right? Because, like, like everybody who was given Venom before Bane died, he was, like, the one guy who, who lived from it. So it kind of adds up. Professor Doctor guy, um, he kind of, you know, like, sang like a canary very quickly. Like, oh, yes, yeah, Gordon Bullock, come in. Well, here's the crime. Here's <laughs> how we did it. Ha, ha, ha. And you're already too late. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... There's there's a lot of that going on. I tend to think that, I, I, to be honest, I tend to think that like the uh, the main plots that concern Bullock and Gordon, like the plots of the week, are the routinely the weakest aspects of the show. Agreed. Because like I mean I think I don't necessarily mind them going by like this whole quote unquote supervillain route, but I don't think they handle it as well because at some point you kind of wonder why is that, what. What exactly is the point of this? <laughs> I know that half the time it's for revenge or whatever. It's kind well, of... it's it's also the, like, you know, filled space, like, during the hour. And like I said, some of these plots have been means to an end. Like, Selena Kyle revealed how the police department worked. Um, you know, this episode revealed how, like, Wayne Enterprises worked. I'd have to, like, think about Balloon Man and Arkham for a little bit. But... Well, I mean, I, I think Balloon Man, it was a very eccentric way to take care of people. I, like, you know... At some point, someone's going to shoot those balloons down, which which they did. And then the other guy <laughs> was just like, you know, Satan, he, he gambled a lot of his assassinations on somebody being dumb enough to look into their kaleidoscope and get poked in the eye. And then the other guy to not be fast enough to be chased down. Well, uh, Arkham was an overarching thing. Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying, like, you know, like this. I think this is one thing that, like, I feel that 
they can they the writers feel that they can get away with it because Batman is a comic book comic book property, but it doesn't the way they're doing it so far not the whole idea, but the way they're doing it so far just isn't meshing well with the, the other storylines that they're working with. Do we really have a lot more to say about uh, like the Viper like plotline? Um. Like I said before, I'm of two minds the fact that it is connected to Venom. I think that like it's one of those things that because it's, it's so in the early stages and it's almost unrecon- it is almost unrecognizable, I kind of let it pass, but I wasn't really keen on them adopting that kind of – I don't know. I, 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 I wish they would kind of get away with that because like, I guess it implies that it will be another decade and a half before it's perfected. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the fact of kind of using the invisible – invisible people to make his point and that that sort of backfired and and then he had to target the the rich that he the, that he didn't think this through very well <laughs> <laughs> but um it seemed like a way a means to an end to get bullock and gordon yeah. investigating because because uh, through homeless people or not or drug addicts or not like you know somebody's going to notice that eventually so <laughs> i like the first guy who he gave it to he had that sign like why lie i want drugs yeah, I, I would have. And then, liked like, to, some guy came up to him giving him money like that. A boy, you're honest. I would have liked to have seen, I don't know, more intentionality about what these people were looking to grab. And I understand that they were not in a good state of mind. And of course, the first guy, he's craving all that milk, and then he takes the ATM. So money was obviously on his mind. But I just wonder if there was something behind their desires. And, you know, they finally had the ability to to grab something because they had this power for a short amount of time. Would that have, you know, impacted what what they could gather? Because they were in a, you know, an unfortunate position of, of being the have-nots, and could could he have done something with that? I, I agree. It, it will be interesting to see, like, you know, why does every person on the street automatically take drugs when they're given it? Which, I mean... It's Gotham. Something can be said for that, but, I mean, uh, it, does, it does rely on a very, like, passive uh, uh, section of the Gotham populace. Yeah. And and did you not like the plot? The fact that, you know, the the guy there was it, he. Oh, I don't want to do that, but he did remind me of somebody on Smallville. But just the fact that. <laughs> on the, Go on. Uh, what was it? The shake? It wasn't Shakers. It was. Um, oh, what's your name? Are you talking about like the doctor guy? Yeah, that had the the shakes, and he kept looking for thirty three point one or. Or whatever the level was. Oh, level level thirty three. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but no, I just. uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on the fact that there's someone already putting forth the idea that there's something corrupt going on and it's connected to Wayne Enterprises? I think that we've gotten shades of like that. Like Balloon Man was, you know, kind of about the corruption. Like we've seen like allusions to the corruption and people being frustrated by it. You know. In previous episodes, but in this time we're learning that, like, specifically, like, not only with Wayne Enterprises, but, like, with their board of directors, like, directly at the top. So that's – and, you know, there was that comment in, like, I think the second episode about how, like, you know, the Waynes and the Falcons had an understanding. And we questioned that at the time, like, just how deep is, like, the Wayne, you know, foundation or Wayne Enterprises caught up in all of this? I would like to know exactly what in this in this series made Thomas Martha Wayne so 
Like, why why wouldn't the Falcons mess with them? And I, and I, I imagine probably because of the, bl- the family bloodline and the wealth and the history go back a long way. But I would be interested to see more of that. Uh, I think the the idea that that you know Wayne Enterprises was changed somehow is interesting. But uh, it's um it's a concept that's, that, that that you know is not foreign to Batman lore. So it's it's uh, interesting to see how that plays out. I I'm hoping that I mean this was. I think this character overall was very much uh, a catalyst for Bruce uh, in really pushing forward his investigation and in the plotline with the lady as well. So now he can see that there's some sort of seedy underbelly. So I'm I'm hoping that there will be more uh, sort of righteous people that maybe Bruce can can try to talk to but at the same time i I think that a 12 year old they're not necessarily going to give him the time of day even though his name is wayne uh and and even watching that scene was slightly comical like you know i understand what he's trying to do but right now i'm just seeing a 12 year old trying to talk to you know the board of directors so maybe this is how we'll meet with lucius fox um, maybe, trail, maybe that'd be interesting. Well, I'm always interested. Like whenever they pull the whole, and they did, I remember them doing this in like Batman Beyond: The Return of the Joker and stuff like that. Like whenever they have like Wayne Enterprises be kind of sullied by criminality, and Bruce, that, that always sends like you know really pissed Bruce Wayne off, which is understandable. But that's an that's a that's sort of a plot line that like I think whatever whenever it's done, it always it's always done seemingly one way. And for it to be done, like, you know, when Bruce is a kid, I think is an interesting way because you can kind of exploit his emotions and his angst and, you know, outrage at that and have that fuel his character as he'll he'll be done the line rather than when he's already Batman and he just kind of gets mad about it and solves it. So I think that it's an an opportunity for them to do that plot line differently as opposed to other other times where it's been done. Well, and now alternate theory because it's been – I think we speculated the previous week that maybe, you know, Boss Moroni had something to do with the Waynes being killed. Maybe um, it was actually Wayne Enterprises that did something about it because Thomas and Martha Wayne got wind of what was going on. I hope it's not that idiot Maroney because a lot because if if the Waynes were done if, if all this was done in by like uh you know from what we've seen here I don't think that like any of the current mob bosses had anything to do with it because they're such <laughs> they're, they're such goons <laughs> they're bulk and skull. <laughs> They really, I mean, Sal, Sal Maroney, like, like, they all are, but Sal Maroney particularly is like this gigantic Fred Flintstone stereotype that, like, <laughs> he's, he's like, whenever John Stewart makes fun of Chris Christie, he's, he's like, he's like, like, the kind of, like, really cartoony Italian stereotype. I can't imagine him pulling off a, a scheme like this. Uh, do we want to talk about the Boss Maroney plotline now? Must we? <laughs> yeah, uh, there's no reason in the world why we shouldn't. This kind of there. There was one moment that kind of felt like you know a '90s uh, comic book because, like, okay, for example, like in the '90s during big crossovers where you would have many writers like working on things, they weren't all like the writer of part three didn't always see the script for part two. They would see the outline for part two, but not the script. So, for example, <laughs> like, going this. yeah, at the end of like you know. Um, uh, whatever comic came before Detective Comics seven hundred, like you see Batman, Robin, and Nightwing, like all like they're they're looking at Ra's al Ghul. You don't know that it's Ra's al Ghul, and Tim Drake says, "Is that who I think it is?" But in like you know the next part, like Tim has a completely different like state of mind and conversation. Like, what? Who is this guy? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> or like you know in a Spider Man clone saga where like at the end of like part two, like someone finds something out but they don't know it at the beginning of part three. So I did check, 
and there is indeed a different writer um, for this episode than there was for Arkham, which means that, like, you know, uh, Boss Moroni acts like he has never encountered Oswald Cobblepot before. And not only that, but, like, even though you see him walking around, like, as the restaurant manager, they're still treating him in the script like he's the dishwasher and referring to him as such. Like, is it true that you're just a dishwasher? And I'm waiting for someone to say, no, sir, you promoted me the restaurant manager last week. But, like, that's, that's never brought up, and that, that, that part kind of bothered me. I really thought that, like, uh, the way it was written and the way that uh, Don Moroni acted was like, is that true? Are you a dishwasher? I mean, I, I have a sense that he was, like, kind of being sarcastic, and I can't, I can't word it the way in which I mean, but, like, he was, like, he didn't take that the, his henchman's accusations seriously and, like, wanted Penguin to, like, you know, kind of, like, reiterate to hear it from him. Because, I mean, I mean like, you know, he, he's staring at him. He says, like, you know, he clearly isn't a dishwasher. He's dressed in a tuxedo and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, don't, I didn't take that to mean that, that Maroney was legitimately confused as to what his occupation was. Because he did, like, he's, like you say, he did hire him a day before. <laughs> but that was just going off of the other guy's comment. Well, but then the other guy shouldn't have made the comment, too. Like, you know, he, he's not the dishwasher, but... Well, was he there I mean, the other day? I would think that, like, this... Even if he wasn't there, I would think he would know about, like, everyone at the restaurant getting shot and there being one survivor and him being made manager. Like... Well, to unless me, that it's, happens it's, often, it's, uh, you know. They're, they're, they're constantly... They're constantly uh, uh, ex- explicating how low on the totem pole Penguin is. Like, having all the henchmen hate him. You know, like, this guy is nobody, and this is why I'm yelling. I mean, uh, I think I, I get the point, and I think in this episode the point is made even further. Uh, but I just don't. I, don't know, I just, I just, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a thing to get hung up on. Is what I'm saying. I didn't like it. It didn't ruin the episode for me, but it did legitimately bother me. And I imagine that, like on the set that day, you know, they made sure that like he wasn't in a dishwasher's uniform or something. But I imagine that, like, this episode and Arkham were being written around the same time. Stella, have you ever seen the giant chicken fights on Family Guy? No. Okay. Um, Basically, like, it's a running gag on Family Guy where, like, they'll be in the middle of, like, you know, a plot or something. Like, you know, what are we going to do about, you know, uh, Grandpa moving in with us or something like that? And then all of a sudden, a giant chicken will appear in the middle of the conversation this is very, very weird to explain to someone who, like, is not familiar with this. Don, and you, we'll, do you know what he's talking about? Yeah, I do. Is it like the banana in Uran? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It kind of is in that, like, it kind of plagues the characters. Okay. So this chicken comes and, like, they fight. And, like, this fight takes them, like, across town and, like... It takes up a huge chunk of the episode. And then when the fight's over, you know, Peter will walk back to, like, wherever he was when the chicken found him, pant for a second, and then continue whatever oh, conversation. Oh, I think I've seen. Yeah, I thought you meant two chickens fighting, but Peter fights a giant chicken. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this before. So that's kind of what it felt like with Gordon. He's like, all right, we got to solve Viper. And then all of a sudden, Maroney's men come. And, like, the episode just, like, you know, stops to, to do this more interesting plot line, because I like this more than Viper, you know, like, the whole uh, Gordon Maroney, Oswald Cobblepot thing. And then they drop him, you know, back off at the police station. And, like, he goes back to, like, you know, solve the mystery with Bullock, as if, like, 
the previous 10 minutes hadn't happened. And while it's not fair to directly compare it to the giant chicken thing, because this is actually going to have, you know, repercussions and consequences across other episodes, I would imagine. But that is what it felt like that, like they paused like this other plot for about like, you know, 10 minutes to do this. So like structurally it felt weird, but it was uh, one of the more interesting parts of the episode. Mm-hmm. I liked how calm Gordon was throughout that whole thing, as you see Oswald. I you think know, he like, had to be. He had to fear. be. Because yeah. if he had been emotional, then Maroney would have sniffed weakness. And, and I think he would have been able to exploit it. And already he feels like I think he has him in his pocket because he said, if I need you, I call, I'll call you. And so he's expecting him to come and run because he knows what's at stake. And... And I think that's just the Jim Gordon. I mean, inside, I'm sure that he was probably freaking out, like, what does it mean that Moroni knows this secret? Because if Fish knew it and Falcone, it would be really bad news. But what does it mean, this guy? Because this is my first interaction with him. So uh, I-, I think it was well played. I totally understand what you're saying. Um, uh, you kind of went off a little bit. I was like, where's the chicken going? How does it connect? But it came back. I understand. I think it worked The chicken well. flew home. I don't know. I, I guess I just don't have a big as, pro- uh, as big a problem with him, that situation as you do. I mean, I, I think it's more random seeing Penguin all of a sudden show up at somebody's door. So uh, yeah. anything with Penguin and Jim Gordon, the interaction is going to be, I think, a bit stilted because their relationship is is strange and and a little forced. So, but how how no one saw them, I guess, in the front is a little strange. Yeah, you would think that, like, well, why are you here walking into this police station, yeah. Salvador Moroni's guy? But, um, And the interesting thing, too, is now Jim is in bed with, like, both of the main families, you know, because he's got his little secrets with Carmine Falcone. And, and speaking Falcone of thinks, in- yeah, continue. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, like, you know, he's in Falcone's pocket, and now, you know, he's got this other guy who has something over him, so... <sighs> He, he's kind of, you know, in a bit of a trouble and, you know, burying himself a little bit. But it's not like he has a choice, you know, but he's he's going to have to make a lot of hard decisions, you know, and probably over the next, you know, few episodes or something because he can't make everyone happy and he can't. Uh, otherwise, he'd have to cross some lines. So it'll be interesting to see how he untangles this mess because, you know, his decision to let Oswald live is just keep on, keeps on getting more and more tangled. Yeah, I have to wonder how this is going to end up by the end of the season because I'm wondering... At one point, Barbara's going to get kidnapped. That's inevitable. Well, I was just about to say that with all these tangles, I'm glad that she wasn't in this episode and that hopefully she is distanced right now. But, Don, continue. Well, I'm, I'm wondering... Um, like I was, I was thinking, like, you know, which one of these characters has to survive <laughs> for the next couple of decades? And, I mean, since we're going to introduce Harvey Dent, then one might imagine that Maroney must. I don't know if Alconi necessarily has to. So if he gets wind, I'm wondering, basically where I'm going with this is that, like, you know, this, the, the dam is going to break eventually. The, the whole series is going to be about Gordon lying. Lie, well, it could be, but, like, you know, this exact lie and the penguin being hidden, it, this is going to run out. Pretty fast, I think. Maybe by the maybe by the mid-season finale. So I'm wondering, basically, I, I don't think I'm spoiling any, every, anything because it's, it was in a commercial that uh, at one point Gordon and Bullock have guns on each other. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm basically wondering, basically, essentially, I'm basically pondering. Just to stop saying that we're wondering who's going to die first, um, who who has more to lose. 
And um, maybe maybe Maroney will take out Falcone a lot faster than we think. If, kind so, of, if someone has to die, he is kind of set up being. Because well, I mean, these you guys are making a point that these are too many characters in the show, which I would agree with. Yeah. They, so like, you can have characters in the show at, at one point, but you can't have them be there forever. Mm-hmm. Having big power plays and you know putting characters off the table would develop other characters and you know and move them closer to where they need to be. And Penguin and his uh, plan to help them rob the casino, did he jump the gun? Was he too eager? Did he play his hand too early? I liked how that showed um, – sorry. I liked how that showed that he – while he's very conniving and evil on his own, you know, killing those bank robbers and stuff, he still needs to learn exactly who to play with. And that Maroney, like, you know, basically, like, you know, had him under his heel the instant that he knew that something fishy was wrong. And that was a big learning lesson for the Penguin. That's, I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, I think he was a little too eager, a little eager beaver. Um, but, I mean, this is just totally him. I, I think he, we've seen it before, like he, he listens in and he gets in trouble all the time and then he backs off and he's very humble and meek-like. And this time he tried the same thing and and uh, he was almost led into a trap because Moroni was like, oh yeah, tell me about it. And then, <laughs> yeah, it completely backfires. But it's interesting to to see how how many connections he has, and and I I have no doubt that we will see more of this, and and I and I love it. So while he did make a mistake, it 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 helped him in the end. But I'm hoping that he learned his lesson right now because he may be in favor with Moroni now. But I hope he doesn't uh, continue to push his luck. See, he's one of those people who takes like you know three steps forward and then four steps back. Like, you know, he has his good ideas, like, in the last episode. Well, when he's he, a smart guy. I don't think that, like, he's, yeah. he's, he's as big of a setback as it might be with other characters. Well, like, I mean, for example, he bundled that hostage situation in, uh, was it Balloon Man? What was the second episode? That really stuck with you, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. <laughs> um, <laughs> they might well, I know, think it was, a lot of that... Kyle was the second episode. Don't you think that comes down to experience, though? Well, and and yeah, he he's learning now. Like he's yeah. <laughs> he he doesn't seem as in control as he wants to be, and you could tell by the way he like reacts to things, the way he like shakes, and like he's constantly like you know begging for his life. You know, he doesn't have a lot of dignity in the face of death. It is really funny how like this show has turned into like the origin story of the penguin <laughs> of all the characters. <laughs> it really is like, you know, like like pink penguin year one, and then that's completely fine with me. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's, it's it's good. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong about this character or or his storyline. It's just ironic though. Like this, it's called Gotham. It ideally follows Gordon Bullock and you know ostensibly Bruce Wayne, but uh, of all the characters that it involves with the Penguin, is the one that that like gets the greatest development. I mean, it's, it's just it's just amusing to me. Oh, one one thing that they did mention is that like now he's been working at this place and he and he already has the Penguin nip, nickname again, and that to me was like okay, like. He's already well enough known that he has this nickname again. Like, like and that's it. not going to – say what? He doesn't like it. Well, but that's – he doesn't. So like, <laughs> Remember that, it, damn it. it. Is somebody from like the Fish Mooney, Carmine Falcone camp going to hear like, oh, yeah, the manager at like, you know, uh, uh, Boss Maroney's restaurant, you know, he's just like a penguin. That's not going to ring familiar to everyone. Well, I mean um, the penguin – I mean it's, it's not like he wears a mask or anything. Like I don't – I, I that doesn't that doesn't ring any bells to me because 
Like, you know, the pen- he, he can turn that into something that can be feared. Like, you know, oh, don't mess with the penguin or whatever. Well, no one looks for a dead man. You, you, know, you, know, you know what these, all these villains think. I, I do. I'm just, again, like, the, if he's well like, enough known that he's getting the nickname fight. again, then, you know, it, it's going to get back that, like, there's a penguin-looking guy working at this restaurant. Maybe he's related to that guy that supposedly was walked off a pier. Uh, I mean, it, 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 and then what? It could, it could do, <laughs> and then he'll not turn out to be the penguin. I mean, I, 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 I see what you're saying. How this could get back, but I'm not seeing how that would impede any, any, you know. What do you mean? How it would impede? In any first, what I'm saying is, I don't see how this would like you know keep him from becoming what he could be. It would get everyone killed who who like who was involved in it. Like go, go, they'll kill Gordon. Be like you know, I thought this guy was dead. Bam, you're dead. Then they'll kill. Because they'll he's kill. not dead, you have to die. I guarantee that. Otherwise, what will I have to? I, how can I live with myself? And then they'll kill Barbara, who will be in the middle of smoking a blonde. I'm kind of thinking. I'm kind of thinking that like things could change later on. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, there's there's a lot of fear of like you know what what will happen if people learn the events of episode one. But I'm kind of thinking like you know like we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. When it happens, like you know things could change. When I hear episode one, I think the Phantom Menace. Like if they learn of the events of episode one. <laughs> Never come back to Tatooine. <laughs> so Fish Mooney, um, in bed with, uh, I guess, um, was that guy Russian? Like, I don't even know what nationality he was, but like. He's Russian. Fish Mooney. Okay. Yeah, she talks about him as if he like came from like a hut or something in the middle of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> I found this scene very funny because it was it was it was almost like sixties show Batman style exposition. Because she has she has him like tied up in bed so that they're kind of carousing together. And then she says, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> now that you and I are working together, we can't let Falcone know that we must be pre- prepared to be enemies in front of him. Otherwise, he'll know that we've teamed up to plot against him. She pretty much says that out loud when it's blatantly obvious what's going on. Like, it was. <laughs> I suspected something when they gave each other that look um, and that meaning. I thought I that, that it wasn't that. the Russian guy. I thought it was Jim Gordon. What? 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 Wait. <laughs> Wait, in bed with her? Yeah, I was very confused because Wait, it looked okay. like him. It oh, looked like him, and it went from like it went from a scene without Jim Gordon uh, to this, and I was like, "Wait, oh my gosh, what's going on?" I really did. Okay. And remember, in like episode two or whatever, maybe it was three. He says to say hi to her for me. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, is something going on?" And then it was the Russian. But I, at first, I really thought it was. Just- you realized it was the Russian before the scene finished, right? Oh yeah, it was just okay, when you, when the faces were concealed because he had short hair. He had the same body. You know the body like type, so yeah. Yeah, I truly didn't think he looked like Tim, but like I, I, I like that the, the idea of it is funny to me. <laughs> that would have been like a big swerve, like bigger than like Penguin showing not up at Oliver King's door. Not only are they in cahoots together, but like James James Gordon's the kind of guy like get tied up in bed by. by <laughs> <laughs> Barbara would never do this to me. <laughs> uh, I thought it was one of her waiters at first, but like I, I got the sense that there was something going on with like her and the other guy because. They gave each other a look. Um, I'll see you later. Like they, they practically like you know winked at the camera after like putting on their little show. Which see, it was a surprise for me, but I thought it was it was a really nice character moment for her because she's like you know she really is taking advantage of every every opportunity that she gains. 
I, I just hope that she doesn't overplay her hand like Oswald Cobblepot is. Although she, she seems more patient than Oswald is. But she, she, she has more experience in this game. Right. But, I'm, you know, like, it, it's almost like they put on a little too much of a show that, like, I would be suspicious. You would think that someone like Falcone would always be on his guard, especially if he knows that, like, Fish is gunning for him, which we got the sense in the second episode that, like, he might be suspecting it because of what Oswald said. But for all we know, may- maybe he is onto her and the Russian guy. Maybe he is onto, you know, his new little fake girlfriend. He doesn't seem to be, but. Uh. I. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it is a little too easy, I'll admit, for him to, like, you know, be my mother sang that song. Can I hear it with you? Uh, this woman, who's, this girl who's, like, you know, 35 years younger than him. Um, and it, right, right after his his previous girl had an accent, so maybe I mean if if he is as weak as Fish Mooney thinks he is, then he will fall for it. But if he's not, then you know, then she's in trouble. Have you not read any Greek tragedies? Have you hey. not read Gone Girl, where the the creeper? <laughs> don't spoil the last hundred pages. But you know the creeper who was dating. Um, what was his name? Who was dating? Desi? Yes, Amy, because it looks she looked exactly like his mother. I mean, there's something really <laughs> there. So. If if there's, like, if, if there's a restaurant that I go to regularly enough oh that like gosh. people will know, what do you mean? Oh my gosh! Continue. You're because your like analogies are so out of left field. I just don't know what's about to come <laughs> out of your mouth. <laughs> Even if, after all these years that I know you, I'm still like on the edge of my seat every time you speak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I shan't keep you in suspense much okay, longer. Please, yeah. Um, if there was a restaurant that like I went to often enough that like people would know that they would find me there, and for some reason I was in a position of power where like people were out to get me, and one day at this restaurant, like somebody showed up in a T-shirt that said "I totally love Shashan" while humming like a Beatles song. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, "Ooh, this the, the, this girl's interesting," but then I'd think, "Wait a second. This is almost like too perfect. Somebody's out to get me. Someone like planted her here. What did you think, Sal? Did you think that was too easy for him to fall for? Um. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't like that scene. I, I didn't like the scene, and I didn't like. I said at the beginning of my. Why not? The, the whole thing was, like, practically comical, how it was all going down. I mean, she trains her in one day. She trains her to sing this aria, too, kind of. Uh, and, uh, you know, she comes over here, and, and it's like it's like bee with honey, man. Well, a bee with pollen maybe is a better analogy. <laughs> Take that, Josh. Um, oh. and, <laughs> and, you know, she comes over there. I can only I, be myself. I, I, I thought it was, I mean... Yes, I did just say, don't you read Greek tragedies, all those things. Obviously, Fish knew he had a type, knew what he was probably looking for because she has that relationship with him. She knows who he is and and understands him probably better than anyone. But I I don't think you show your card and and show your special weapon that quickly. And and then the girl just be like, "Uh, do you want to listen? Let's be honest. In this day and age, especially with stuff that's been going around, in my neck of the woods, you you wouldn't like any strange man, even if it's in the daytime, or you you wouldn't do that. And well, yeah, the uh, decades uh, older than her too. I would, yeah. I would disagree with that because it, it's, it's it's not opposite. Where like the old crazy guys, like you know, you want to listen to my my music to a young girl. Like if a young girl comes onto that, like it's 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 but um. She's too. Not only is she walking in the park, but she legitimately like stops 
right where he is because you look like she's going at a pace. She slows down her pace, hovers around his area, and like hums it loudly enough for him to hear. Like it's to now. Granted, the when the heart wants something to be true enough, it'll talk you out of like all the warning signs. You know, anyone who's ever been in a bad relationship can tell you that. I don't know anyone. It's possible that he's seen the warning signs, but. You know, when you're looking for love, you you talk yourself out of these warning signs. You you, you well, want something to be true. Places. Yeah, you want something to be true bad enough. So, but I, I do wonder. Maybe he is as weak and as stupid as mm-hmm. Fish says he is. I think we're all dancing around the idea that it's just because plot, like the plot, or at least this episode needed it to be like that. But uh, I mean, I never, I, I, I never thought it was that that monumentally stupid that he like you know have a passing interest in this girl. But then again, like you know, this is exactly what what uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's counting on. So, it, it was too easy, but you know, for like, for for him for him to like you know land this. How, you did, know, how, how, did, uh, how did that girl even know he was there? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm sure that like people know his habits. That's why I use the analogy about the me going to a, a restaurant yeah. because that you probably know. You know, you can find Carmine Falcone sitting at the bench of this park. And if you look like his mom and you sing his favorite <laughs> <laughs> And if you sing his favorite aria <laughs> Goodness gracious. He'll come to you. I'm gonna try that to one of you. Like within the next year, one of you are gonna be at your favorite haunt mm-hmm. and a member of the opposite sex is gonna walk by okay. like singing, you know, like a song about Minmay or something. Well, that's not gonna be me, so you be sure to channel all that energy towards Donovan. Uh, I don't think there's any other person, any other woman in the world who would actually do that besides them. Besides, what do you mean? Because, <laughs> like, 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 randomly on TBE, you would just start singing To Be You Love. I can't imagine any other body, anybody else doing that. Um, have we exhausted uh, Fish Mooney and Carmine Falcone? Um, I just, I, I, I still, <laughs> I still really like her. I mean, stupid plot or not like i like i like the acting that scene where she like you know fakes an argument with that guy she she says like you know oh you know in my country a woman's either best in the kitchen or in the bed she says i bet your mother was a lousy cook i thought that was a fun line so i mean she's consistently entertaining for me um writing be damned and uh she, I mean, honestly she, like, her scenes i mean i know it still doesn't, doesn't care for them but like for me her scenes were why i like this episode because it, they were Pete Smith's acting and what little writing there was was entertaining enough for me to really like get engaged with you know what was going on because it was entertaining. Yeah, I guess she's into S and M. That that trailer, you know, sure fooled us because we thought that it was her and her um um like Dead new girl. like weapon. Sidekick. Yeah, and and also like in the tra- when when the Venom guy, the Viper guy, commits suicide, I thought that it was like Bruce not committing suicide, but like Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. I thought it was Bruce too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, when, when I saw that shot, I was like, okay, I guess Bruce Wayne's not rooftop hunting this episode. Well, that's another thing, too. I, I liked how she was like, I know, <laughs> I know Stella hated it, as, as I say again, but like, I when she still- hate it. Don't put words in my mouth, sir. It's more, it's put more the words right into her mouth. If I exaggerate, you know, and make you seem not how you are, but uh, when she's like, you know, you're my daughter, but I'm not your mama kind of thing, like, I thought it was, a, it, was a, it showed an interesting psyche, I thought. Even if it was done in the day. <laughs> Illogically so. She was so whiny. She's like, oh, I'm bored. You never let me leave. I know. I want to live with dad. 
That's, 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 who doesn't love that in, in a person? Okay, so I think we can talk about the, some new characters that are coming to the show. Leslie Tompkins, Tommy Elliott, and oh, yeah. possibly, I, I groan as I say this, Betty Kane. <laughs> Tommy Elliott better be Bruce Sage, I swear. I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm not even playing anymore. If they're going to have that character in there, there is, there is no use in making him, you know, ah, oh, Bruce, my favorite nephew. <laughs> Go away. That's all I'm going to say about that. Betty Kane, why no? Why not Kathy Kane? Why, why, why Betty? What, what benefit? Well, ho- ho- I, I, let me pull it up on the computer because, like, there's legitimately an actress who, like, was supposedly going to be playing Betty Kane in this episode, but her scene was deleted. But she's supposed to be in the next few episodes. Her name, last name's Paxton or something. Uh, who's the? Who, who's the actress that's doing um, Leslie Tompkins? Oh, um, Marine. She's done decent. Marina before. Baccarin. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She was the voice of Black Canary. She was also recently on Homeland. She was Talia in Son of Batman. Okay. <laughs> the movie song I love to death. She was. Uh, so, uh, what, what, what do you think about her as Leslie Tompkins and coming to this show? What you think, still? Uh, I, I, I really like her as an actress, so I, I have no problems with it. Um, she's obviously got to be older than Bruce because, you know, when Bruce is his mid twenties or whatever, you know, Wesley is, is an older, older lady. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to know what the dynamic will be. Uh, because I feel like there needs to be some setup to their relationship, and I'm hoping that perhaps she has a past with Thomas and Martha. And oh, good point. and you know I I I I I want to see more of Thomas and Martha. Right now they're just ghosts, and I see them in the previously on, and then hear the scream, of course. So I I just want to see kind of flashbacks and and get to know them, but. Perhaps it's just because we're we're in the mind of Bruce or we're in his point of view. So what he knows, we know, and we won't get to see anything else. But perhaps bringing a character that knows them, we will be able to, to get some flashbacks. But even Alfred, I feel like he's there. I mean, for whatever, couldn't he, you know, comfort Bruce one time and, and say, you know, there was a time when you're... And then, you know, there's a scene with his parents, but... I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but to to unravel the mystery that is Thomas and Martha would be wonderful. Yeah, and it's it gives you another good person to have in the city, you know, as opposed to all these corrupt people that keep on coming about. But I am worried because we are starting to get as a. I would rather have them do more with Alan and Montoya than bring in yet another new character. Like point. we we need to start taking care of the characters who we have now. It's getting to be like Batman Eternal. Yeah, we're like if you yeah, think about see. it, where there's a shifting cast, so you may focus on a certain. And I think we always have very solid members. So I think Jim and Bullock and and Cobblepot, for the most part, are people that we will consistently see, and then they sort of shift in and out of uh, other characters. Okay, so the person who's supposed to be playing Betty Kane on this show is Sarah Paxton. Mm-hmm. And she is a young woman blonde, so she is older yeah. than Bruce. Maybe she's going to be a love interest for Jim. 
<laughs> he needs another blunt. Well, we were saying a few episodes ago, like, wouldn't it be great if they brought in the Canes? You know, uh, you know, great idea, wrong Kane. You know, like I wouldn't have minded Kathy Kane or something. You know, at this point, it really is. It is seriously is getting to like you know, let's just throw every character that we can possibly think of in this show for just just to say that we have reasons. I mean, it's it's, it's it is stretching the, the boundaries of credibility. Like, like, I mean, I don't, I don't. To me, it's like you know, we're getting to the point now where like you know, very obvious things that they should not be doing are being threatened to have been done, and I don't, I don't, I don't know what the. I don't know what they think they, they can benefit from besides, like, you know, just fan wink, which people have already been complaining about. Maybe she'll be, um, like, part of the Wayne board or something, and that's why she was supposed to be in this episode. Could be. I mean, or another, another bevy of terrible ideas. I mean, like, she could be she could be anything from Bruce Wayne's, like, you know, sixth grade teacher to, like, you know, an intern at Gotham, uh, uh, the, the police department. But she still wouldn't be... She, she still wouldn't have any uh, any right to be there just because of the fact that like they're taking the name of the character and not like you know I mean to me it's, it's different than like what they've done to Sarah Essen who's like different but she's still a cop and a in a, uh, in a uh, colleague of Gordon I mean this is just taking a character like you know just completely changing it for no reason other than to have a character that's known oh really she's Batgirl but she's not going to be Batgirl so I don't I don't I don't get why that keeps happening with this show or at least they keep on the kind of hitting that it might happen. So I, I looked at the link, which you can find on the Batmanuniverse.net, and we don't have an actor for Tommy Elliott yet, just that it was revealed that he will be coming to the show, so So next week's episode is entitled Spirit of the Goat. When a killer begins targeting the firstborn of Gotham's elite Shades of Batman returns, Bullock is forced to confront traumatic memories from a nearly identical case he worked in the past. Later, Gordon is confronted by past decisions in the all-new Spirit of the Goat episode of Gotham, airing Monday, October 27th. And uh, there was a little 30-second promo that was played after the episode. What do we think about what we saw or what's supposedly happening next week? They, uh, they certainly advertise uh, no real like like general plot development, just like you know the case <laughs> development. And uh, I guess it's the first instance of <laughs> there. There sure is, you know, crazy stuff happening. Well, I mean, this is it's the first instance of like you know a legit masked villain that the city's being bedeviled with. So that's, uh, that's something. I mean, it, it kind of looks like a, a trailer for a horror movie, but um, you know, beyond a Fox budget, I doubt it will be like that. It's not going to be like Stalker or anything. Um, I'm not really. Like, I, I don't want to say I'm not looking forward to, it, but like it doesn't look to be that good because uh, it looks kind of cheesy. Uh, but we'll see how it turns out. Uh, the only thing I could think of when he was talking is that he sounded exactly like Arrow because the mess was over and it sounded like the same voice dampener or whatever. And I was just like, oh, no. Plus, it reminds me of the Scarecrow. So we're getting close to someone without yeah. actually get you know using them. So how much can you really toe that line? Yeah, this um, and the goat is not really a fearsome name. So but <laughs> we shall see. Any more thoughts before we close out? Um, I mean, I like this episode. I think you guys were uh, dis- disagreed, but like you know, if you liked, if you had thoughts on this episode, just comment and uh, say which uh, host that you agree with more, and we can get a conversation going. All right, and with that, this is Josh. This is Don, and this is Stella. And you have been listening to the Gotham Chronicle.
Hey, baby, I love you. Why are you playing games? Okay, continue the show. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm good. (laughs) Um... In this episode, Gordon and Bullock are called to a domestic disturbance possible homicide. Nick Dunn's wife, Amy, has gone missing on their fifth anniversary. Bullock thinks that Nick killed Amy and he wants to close the case quickly. But Gordon thinks that there's more to it. Unfortunately, when Ed... Say what? Spoil. I have 100 pages to go. I'm not going to spoil. <laughs> Unfortunately, when Edward Nigma like, scrubs the place clean you know, with his forensic team, he finds some blood that was cleaned off, which doesn't make things good for Nick. Pretty damning evidence. Meanwhile, you know, Fish Mooney is in her little bar saying, with the disappearance of Amy, this will show that that Carmine Falcone is weak and the time will be to strike. And Oswald Cobblepot runs back and forth saying, there's a war coming. There's a war coming. Renee Montoya shows up to um, Barbara Keene's apartment saying that uh, she thinks that Jim is behind the disappearance of Amazing Amy and that they should really be together. And Barbara rolls a joint saying that she's had a really stressful day. Uh, Bruce thinks that maybe whoever made Amy disappear might be behind the death of his parents. And Alfred, you know, says that he should do something like play video games instead. And that's uh, Viper. Yeah, I me mean, for a second, because at first I was like, wait, what? But then I forgot that we... We, we talked about this before recording, and I'm wasting Really? <laughs> it took me a second. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, sorry, I had to clear my throat. That's okay. No, it's not. It's unforgivable. <sighs> you never see Amy and Nick in the same place at the same time. What? Do you think if the word penis is mentioned on my podcast, I should leave it out? It reminds me of uh, Peggy Hill. Um, realize that this is the first episode where we didn't mention Downton Abbey. We didn't. Well, that's because I hadn't watched it, so I'm kind of glad we did it. The episode's over. Joseph, Joseph just said, like, hey, you just did. I'm like, no. <laughs> the episode's over. <laughs> the episode. Yeah. We did mention oh, Dustin. We, oh, yeah, we mentioned Dustin. We mentioned, um... I'm trying to think if there's anything I can tease you about. Do you think he's still is, is listening to us? I, I think he is. I he, to my show. He, he comments. Did, um, have they... <laughs> Damn. Um, I'm trying to think about any Downton developments. I mean, I guess um, I think Edith's going to run away with her baby. Um, oh, and I forgot I told you. Um, Tom chooses this episode. Yeah, you told me that. He either Miss Bunting and America or the family. And I'm not going to tell you what the choice was. Oh, Bunting and America go together? They could. Oh, it was or a comma. They... You said Bunting, comma, America, well, comma. Well, what, what I mean is he chooses basically, <laughs> is he is he going to run away to America with Miss Bunting yeah. or is he going to stay with his family? That's a terrible man. <laughs> she, she's a terrible person like this guy was uh, oh give me you are such a hypocrite well okay I, i'm finally on board with okay she needs you to need like break. You're like, like oh, i liked her I last like season last I season like i did she was helping this guy move on this poor guy with a dead wife but then like every time they invite her to dinner she like she's just rude and the last episode mary was like finally like oh my gosh will you give it a rest you won the argument and then like robert stands up like what would make me happy is if you left and never returned and then he <laughs> well 
and then like the episode before where like there was some like cocktail party and you don't even see like what she says to these guys it's like oh here's miss bunting and then like they have a conversation on the side then all of a sudden the guests are like robert this woman we're leaving right now like what did she she was only with them for 10 seconds like she's it's okay to have different political opinions and it's okay to debate about them but like she's just rude like she was saying oh you just want your servants to like stay in the kitchen forever and never get an education <laughs> she's like barbara wilson from batman Rob. and they're there for a little while like and you know rick kind of takes over the town and things don't go so well and he takes over the, why does he have to take over the town all the time it's a Rick Tainership. That's the town where, like, um, God, like oh that my. got crazy. Like, uh, Rick hooks up with like some girl, but then like leaves her to die of the same coral. Coral. <laughs> 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 he said coral. <laughs> like, like, like the. the, the <laughs> Like the, the ocean element. It's really weird, like, because she's in an abusive relationship with. Yeah, that part being the bloopers, I want to hear that again. <laughs> um, are you recording? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I'll get it. <laughs> 